Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, and in this episode of the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast, we're talking to a man who recently won his first Grand Championship Award and is still high. On on a high, on a high. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. In today's episode of the show, we've got Shay Adams, a pitmaster from the competition team Smoky Days Barbecue and the owner, founder and pit builder at Stockyard Smokers. But before we get into that, I've just got a few announcements that I do need to run by you. The first is that our podcast partner program is now well underway. We've partnered up with uh, with a couple of businesses so far. We've had a couple of runs and we're able to now show you some uh, some case study information of the results from the podcast partner program. So in case study number one, we had a business partner with us for five episodes. We got a total number of views and listens of just over 51,000 and we had a total reach of just over 170,000. And in the second batch, we had a total number of views and listens of 82,500 and a total reach of just under a quarter million. So that's pretty impressive. So if you've got a barbecue brand out there, a barbecue business, and you're looking to get your your brand, your image, your logo, your information out in front of a whole bunch of people, that's a great way to start there. Now, if you are just at the beginning of your barbecue journey, make sure you uh, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com and check out the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. That's a free ebook that we have available for you, and it was recently awarded at the National Barbecue and Grilling Association's Annual Excellence Awards over in the US. So that's an award-winning ebook. It's got everything you need to know to get up and started in the world of this delicious, low and slow, smoky barbecue. And good morning to everybody who is joining us today at uh, for this live podcast recording in the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community. I can see we've got a bunch of people there already. We've got uh, about a dozen people in, in under a minute, which is good. They've come along to join us. Fantastic stuff. They obviously want to hear what Shay has to say today. And if you would like to come along and join us, that's over on Facebook, the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community. It's the nicest little corner of the internet, a great place to hang out. And as I said, that's where we record these podcasts live. So if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can do that. And if you've got any um, any questions or comments for anybody, you can pop them into the comments below the live feed and I'll be able to bring them on the screen just like this. Good morning, William. How are you? Thanks for being a part of the show today. And here's someone telling me to hurry up and stop talking and just bring Shay on, <laughs> which is fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, okay, now if you're watching this later on on YouTube, make sure you give us a thumbs up, a subscribe and hit that little notification bell. If you're watching on Facebook, it's all about the likes, the comments, and the shares, particularly the shares. They're especially helpful. And if you're watching on IGTV, it's the cute little love hearts and the followers and all that sort of stuff. And last but not least, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or another podcasting app and you're able to give us some some, uh, five-star ratings and reviews, they are super helpful. In the last 30 days, we have been as high as number six on the US podcast charts for food and number three in Australia for food. So that's really cool. And what you do there really helps us out. All right. Now, Shay from Smoky Days Barbecue and Stockyard Smokers. Now, he and his lads recently won their first ever grand championship at the Smoke Fest 
barbecue competition right here on the Gold Coast. Now, that's really interesting. It's been the first competition here on the Gold Coast in a couple of years, so it's great to see all the smoke returning to the Gold Coast. Um, I did head down for a couple of hours on each day. Check it out. It was a great festival. I loved it, and I know that there are thousands on thousands of people who were there that loved it as well. So we're going to have a great time talking to him all about that. And he also builds pits with Stockyard Smokers. That's his own personal brand. And we're going to talk about um, all the different sort of Texas-inspired offsets that he gets into there. And if that's not enough, so he's a grand champion winning pit master. He builds all his own pits, designs and builds all his own pits. And he also makes all his own rubs and sauces too. So he's going to have a ton of stuff to talk to us about today. And I think that is about all you need out of me. Let's get Shay in here. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? G'day, Shay. How are you, buddy? Welcome to the confessional. Morning, Ben. How are you, mate? Mate, I am great. It's, it, it's a Sunday morning. I'm usually asleep at this time, but hey, what better reason to be awake than talking about barbecue? Absolutely. So, mate, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Uh, it would have been last weekend. What did we do? Practicing for the Brisbane Comp. We did some cheeks, uh, beef cheeks, I think it was, yeah. Nice. And is that your, your favorite thing to barbecue? Uh, no. Um, favorite thing to barbecue would probably be brisket. Uh, favorite thing to eat barbecue would have to be our chicken. Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting that, the, oh, do. that there's a disparity between what your favorite thing is to cook and what your favorite thing is to eat. So. Why do you uh, like cooking brisket? Oh, it's the challenge. They all cook differently every time. Um, and I think it's just the flavour that we get in the chicken at the moment. It's just, it's really, really good. Oh, so good. Now, I've, I've only done beef cheeks a couple of times. Tell me about how you went and did, the, uh, did those beef cheeks. Okay, so um, we use all our own rubs and sauces, which um, one of the guys in our team, Shane, um, makes all our sauces and rubs. Um, so he was a big part of how we were practicing our beef cheeks last weekend. So I let him play with what he was doing there and then um, we put on the pit and tried a few things for shape. Um, and it's mostly a flavour in the glaze profile we're looking for. Yeah, that's always a bit tricky to get, isn't it? You've got to get that uh, that sheen and that... Um, uh, but, but not... Um make the skin too soggy and all that sort of stuff. It's quite tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so then ha- how did you serve them up? Did you shred them? Did you uh, pop them on top of uh, some baked vegetables? How did you go about it? <laughs> we put them on a plate and we all hooked in to get the, get the flavour and, and started discussing what we're going to do, if we need to change or um, how we're going to approach Brisbane. Um, so it wasn't really a meal as such. It was just a plate of uh, meat. That we um, hooked into. To- <laughs> That's a meal. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> so good, mate. So good. All right. So let's go back to the start then. How did you get into barbecue? Okay. Uh, so I guess starting is probably anyone did. I started with um, gas burners. Um, loved steaks. Um, always cooked steaks. As soon as I had my first barbecue, it was um, gas grilled. Um, I got into long and slow through talking to uh, a local barbecue shop and I said, oh, mate, I've got a gasser. Um, offsets weren't really in shops yet. Um, there was a kettle or lots of gas burners. And he goes, oh, you can get this 
Uh, smoking tubes, they just oh, it's that? not really in you. You stuff it full of chips and you put them in the side there. And I, I gave that a go one time and um, I, I didn't like it. Um, I thought, oh, nah, nah. So I went to the Weber kettle um, and fell in love with that charcoal wood flavour. Yeah, loved it. And then eventually going to offsets. But um, that's how I got into barbecue, um, teaming up with... Um, the other two boys in our team, Shane and Russ, that came across um, my wife, um, Russ and Shane all worked together um, and had, my wife's worked there for close to 16, 17 years with those wow. boys. Um, yeah, so one of their really good friends um, and one of the directors of the business uh, suddenly passed away. Um, and I didn't know Russ and Shane at this time. And... Um, we all went away for the um, the funeral in the wake and we all caught up after and we were staying in this place and we were talking barbecue and I'm like, you barbecue? Like, yeah, you barbecue? Yeah, yeah, I love barbecue. And we all started talking and um, that's how we kind of got together. Um, we just had this common ground and um, we started cooking that very next weekend on a kettle and then we went to... There was a barbecue and craft beer festival at um, the Regatta Hotel a few years ago. Um, and there was teams, like, uh, there was Basie Boys, Hand Dunk, uh, Empire Smoke, uh, to name a few. And we'll, we paid um, the next amount to drink beer and try competition barbecue. <laughs> so we did, and we thought, this is great. This is fantastic. And we thought, we should have a go at this. And the other boys were like, yeah, all right, let's go. So then we jumped online, tried to find the next comp. And the next one coming up was um, Port Mac, the last Port Mac. And we're like, let's go. <laughs> Mind you, that last Port Mac was the 14th September. Um, and that is my wedding anniversary. So um, we had to, had to talk Kelly into wanted to go and she jumped straight on. Um, so we spent that wedding anniversary day for Mac. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I know a guy who um, he just got married and uh, they did their, their honeymoon in Port Mac so he could go to the competition. So <laughs> it's always great when you see the, see the whole family get on board. That, that, that's really cool. Yeah. And, man, how good was that Port Mac competition? I miss Port Mac so much. We did one um, and we wanted to do every single one from there, but that happened to be the last one. Um, so we're a bit gutted about that. It's um, no, a great competition, great concept. That amount of teams in one space um, is what it's all about. That is unreal. Yeah. Great it, it, oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Great introduction to, uh, to competition barbecue as well. Absolutely cracking stuff. Um, okay. So I understand that you, um, that you recently had a little bit of a, you did yourself a bit of an oopsie. Tell us about that. Oh, I did. Oh. So one Saturday afternoon, uh, I've got a, a friend of mine's a commercial fisherman and he gave me these fresh dollops and they were frozen and he told me, he goes, put them in some cold water and let them defrost. They'll open up. Blah, blah. They went out the window and I pulled these things out and I started trying to cut them into them and I just slipped and it's gone straight through me index finger. So it's... um. At first, I didn't didn't feel anything, 
um, I just saw a little bit of blood um, coming out and and I said to Kelsey, oh, I just cut myself. She goes, oh, well, don't bleed all over the table, put over the sink. I'm like, okay, no worries. I walked over the sink and, and then I, I couldn't bend that finger and that's when I, I kind of knew I'd done something that uh, pretty bad. And, um, yeah, it was confirmed I'd cut both tendons and index finger. Jeez, both tendons. Both tendons, yeah. So you got one that goes to your knuckle and then the other one goes up to the, the other tibia finger. Yeah, both of them gone. Wow. Wow. And so w- what was involved with, uh, with repairing that? Was it a wait for it to heal or was it a surgery fix? What happened there? Yeah, surgical. Um, I went yeah straight to hospital and uh, within a couple of days because it's not really a um, high priority when you think about surgeries at hospitals. But um, I eventually went in and they'd um, cut in there and they said I was very lucky um, that the tendon actually only come down to just above the, the below the finger there. Um, sometimes they say you might have to cut you up into halfway down your arm to get that tendon back. So I was very lucky wow. just at the bottom of the finger. Mm. Mm. Wow. Okay. And so what sort of impact did that have on your barbecue then? Did you suddenly become ambidextrous with uh, with meat trimming knives or did you have to take a little while off? Uh, I was in a cast for six weeks. So that next weekend after I did that, there was Kandari. So um, I went to Kandari um, with the two boys and I was extremely lucky that I did not have to trim any meat at that competition. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I just physically, you couldn't do it. Um, but I ran the pit, um, was fine with that. I can do that to one end. Um, and then, yeah, it was still, I think by the next comp, I think I still had it on there actually. So it was on there for six weeks, yeah. Oh, wow. It's only really coming, coming good now. So I've only just started getting back into building pits again and, um, confident enough that I'm not going to hurt myself again. So, um, yeah, she's all right now. Oh, good, good, good. And uh, does your wife now make you wear the uh, the fast food style chain mail gloves when you when you're cutting uh, cutting food now? Yeah, she said that. She goes, "I'll get you one of those chain um, mesh hand things." And I'll tell you what, after that injury, I was like, "Yeah, I'm a fan. Give me one of them." But I haven't got one. Yet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I was a bit younger, I used to work at uh, Hungry Jack's and they used to make you put on one of those uh, chain mail gloves when you were pushing the tomatoes through the slicer. And so uh, me me being the incredibly talented person that I am, I didn't cut myself, but I, but still through the chain mail glove, I managed to crush a finger um, in, the, uh, oh. in the tomato slicing press. Right. Still managed yeah. to bleed all over the kitchen. <laughs> So mate, was that would it be fair to say that that is one of the um, one of the biggest challenges that you've had, or has there been some other things that have uh, that have sort of struck you along the way? Uh, in regards to barbecue, um, yeah, um, yeah, that'd probably be the only setback um, when it comes to to barbecue and com- competing and doing what I do now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. So it's it, it's been. Uh, Somewhat smooth uh, other than that, though. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Nice, nice, nice. Now, we all have some, uh, some pretty uh, horrific disaster stories when it comes to cooking barbecue and, and first getting started. What is a disaster story that you'd uh, be comfortable sharing with us? Oh, I'm, I'm an open book. I tell lots of people this story. Um, 
I went down to the local butcher um, for a while, like a few years ago now, and I said, you got any brisket? He goes, yeah, I do. I said, all right, can I bring it out? Give us a look. And he brings out this brisket and it would have been, he held it up and it was probably, you know, good at forearm length. And I said, oh, cool, how much is that? And he goes, $29. I said, awesome. But great, okay, cool. And um, he goes, but I've got a roll brisket there that's, you know, eight bucks or something. I said, all right, well, this is my first one. I might just try this roll brisket. So, yeah, put it in the kettle. And I'm going, you know, tea and the wife, I'm going, this is going to be great. This is brisket done, you know. And um, <laughs> I thought it was cooked, um, being the first production. <laughs> and um, I pulled it off and I pulled it inside and couldn't cut it. I'm trying to cut this thing and I'm going, all right, now I got through there and we put it on the plate and I started eating. I couldn't eat it. And I got a cattle dog. And I, I said, he eats anything. And he does eat anything. And I threw it out there for him. And even he did not eat it. <laughs> so that was a real setback and a real um, confidence blow. Mm. Yeah, that sounds uh, quite quite similar to myself. My first brisket was a rolled brisket. And I was watching the YouTube videos. I went, well, they're not rolled. So I unrolled it. And, I, yeah. and, and then I put that in the Weber and I cooked that. Uh, no, that was a pro Q. I, I cooked that in a pro Q unrolled, and uh, it was it was edible. We ate it, we loved it, but there was so much fat all like it was just this tiny little strip of meat, and then all this fat. And my wife and I just started gobbling it up because it was so delicious. And then in the middle of the night, we both woke up with stomach cramps and took turns in the bathroom, and I had to call in sick to work the next day. No. So at, um, at, was it $29 for that brisket? Was that per kilo or was that the whole brisket? Whole thing. Yeah. It must've been around four bucks a kilo or something. Crikey. Yeah. Back the, those were the days. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget it because now it's closer to $29 a kilo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to a Plus. butcher there, uh, just a few weeks ago to try and pick one up and, uh, the, Total price for a whole brisket sort of started at around 180 bucks. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't even yeah. bother looking at the per kilo price. I just looked at the overall price and went, Whoop, okay, sausages for us again this week. Yeah. Um, all right, so whenever you get a bunch of guys together and there's a fire and a couple of beers and, uh, and, and some barbecues coming, something funny always happens. Can you share like a funny story from, uh, from your barbecue days? Um, God, uh, <laughs> I probably can't. I, I, we have such a good time. Um, every time we do cook, um, we've kind of been able to tone it back a little bit. Um, so I haven't really got anything that's outrageous that would be, um, be worth sharing. Um, but yeah, you know, all the competition guys, um, know um how everything goes at competition and can have some pretty wild nights at competition um and yeah i tend to kind of lay back on the beers on the the bump in day these days um because i gotta get up crack of dawn to start the pit and it's always not very nice when you're a little bit under weather yeah i'm uh i'm not too proud to say that uh on two separate occasions when i was competing i was um the morning after trying to pre- uh, like 
trim my meats and stuff and dry heaving as I was just looking at the food. That was a bad way to start a competition. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, Shay. Now let's talk Smoke Fest, mate. Now that was um, uh, first of all, congratulations. That that was a huge achievement. Your first ever grand champion prize, mate. Describe that feeling of when you heard your name get called out. We were all sitting there, um, and we had a. I think everything was called in the top ten, um, and we was we were sitting there, but. We've had a few top tens before and it, it was still be like mid-packing or um, towards the back there. And we thought we had a, we had a good chance here. We might get RGC here because um, there was a few other teams there that were up and around the, the top of top of the tier there. And um, when it got called, um, Elation, it was, um, I don't know, it was, re- uh, it was not a, it was a surprise, um, but we were, ecstatic and I was a bit numb I was like wow wow it took a little while to take it in and you know we um ran up there and it was yeah it was really really good we were stoked stoked yeah it must have been man must have been just amazing so give us a rundown on on your placings in the different categories how'd you go across the board okay so I think we got first place chicken um second place pork second place beef and eighth place lamb, I think it was. Yeah. And eighth place or fourth place emu on the day. Yeah. So it was a pretty good day of cooking. It was a really consistent cook, that one. Yeah, you must have almost known, like, uh, once they'd finished reading out all the categories, you must have been doing the math in your head and just going, that's it, lock it in, boys, we've done it. <laughs> well, we, yeah, you can do that. But we got um, RGC at Warwick and we had top 10s, no call-ups, and we got RGC that day. So I guess even though you can be up there, there's so many teams that are right behind you or just in front of you, so you just don't know any day. Like it can be, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's still a surprise, yeah. I was quietly confident, we were quietly confident that we might have had it, but, you know, being the first ever that we've done, um, pardon me. We um were still just you know probably keeping it quiet, <laughs> and then the name was called, and we were like jumping out of our chairs and ecstatic. Yeah, I'd imagine so, mate. It's got to be a great feeling. Now you mentioned um emu there before, and to my knowledge, Smokefest was the first competition to ever do a, a a native Aussie protein. So my understanding was that the that you could choose emu, kangaroo, or crocodile. Um, tell us about your your emu cook. Okay, so long, a little bit of a long story. Um, Russ had a bloke come out and look at his aircon, um, and a great bloke by the name of Nathan came out to do that for him. And he saw his barbecues at the back there, and he's like, "Oh, I got barbecues. I love barbecue." They got chatting. Next minute, um, he's cooked emu tons of times. So we had a we had a little practice cook a few weeks before um, the Gold Coast comp, and Nathan come along and he brought some emu and we had crocodile and um, we didn't try kangaroo. We were going to leave that alone. But the crocodile, we tried a few different ways and it just was not 
coming out as good as probably what would be worth handing in. So we thought, all right, we'll just go solely with the emu because that was tasting fantastic. And, um, yeah, Nathan, he he played with that with, like, bush herbs and um, glazes and, oh, it was, it was really good. And I thought, you come in a comp. Um, and he actually helped us with the emu there. Mm. Man, that's great stuff. What sort of, like, natural herbs and things was he using? He uses, like, a lot of bush herbs. Um, he um, grows at home. Um, he'd be the best to tell you about that one. But um, they were really, really um, strong, not pungent, but, like, just really strong flavoured. So we um, didn't have that on the hand in, but we had that on there during the cook and it kind of smoked up a little bit and burnt on there and, you know, they came off and glazed it up and it was, it was really nice, really nice. I'd actually put it on the um, home-cooked menu for sure. Oh, right. Wow, that good. That's awesome. Yeah. So what does emu taste like? I had a buddy when I was at uni whose parents had got into ostriches and so we used to eat some ostriches from time to time, but uh, tell us about the emu. What does it actually taste like? I'd say, like, if you didn't know what it was and you had it sliced up, it almost looked like a steak. Yeah. Yeah, it looked like a steak. And it even probably chewed like a bit, a bit like a steak. Um, Flavour-wise, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a – it's not. it wasn't even gamey tasting. It wasn't at all. Um, well, that's interesting. I'd, I'd liken it. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't really compare it to something, but it was right in its own. Very cool stuff, man. Now, when it comes to, to Smokefest itself, it, it, it's been two years since we had a competition on the Gold Coast. The last would have been uh, Burley Barbecue in 2019. So, mate, tell us your, your thoughts on, on Smokefest and having a competition back on the Gold Coast. No, Smokefest was great. Um, not being biased because of how we, how we went, but um, we didn't go to Burley in 19. Um, that was our first comp on the Gold Coast, actually. Um, I thought the boys at Charlottesville did a great job with that comp. Um, it was very festive. There's a lot going on um, for the public to see. Um, like to see it back there. More of it. More of it. Um, it was it was done really well. Yeah, and did you just say that uh, that Burley was your first ever uh, competition? No, no, no. We didn't get to go to Burley um, the other year. We didn't go. Okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, I thought Smokefest was great. There was tons of stuff to do. There was family stuff on, top location. Um, you know, there was a there was a horse riding competition, a, a Jim Carner on the field next door so the kids could go and watch the ponies, and it was just fantastic stuff. It was beautiful. I think the live music stuff is great at, at competitions. It just creates that festival feel, and, you know, the vendors is great. Um, and the, yeah, the food, the smoke is going all day. It's a bit of a spectacle and, you know, it's a lot to take in. It's great. It is, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year. I, I, I think it's going to be great. But now tell us about the, the lead up to Smokefest. What sort of, or, or any competition really, what do you guys do to, to prepare for a competition? So usually we'll, we'll catch up a few weeks out if we're trying to um, nail down something we'll catch up and we will discuss what we're going to do um, and we'll we'll do a cook 
and then we'll do a couple of flavor profiles and we'll go with oh, that one or that one or it might need this, might need that. But I tell you what, um, we don't really need to add too much to what Shane does with those rotten sauces. He's a wizard with that stuff. I swear, he, um, if he didn't run his uh, run a business and wasn't so busy, he'd have a, a good chance of, of having a really good rum and sauce business, that's for sure. Is he off camera and, and threatening you right now to say those things? If you if you need help, blink twice. <laughs> no, nah, he's not, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> That's great stuff. So do you guys all, all get together and uh, and do practice cooks in, in like a competition environment? Do you do you say, right, we're going to start at this time, finish at this time, we're going to have these proteins done at the same time? Or do you tend to sort of break it down and do one protein at a time and practice that and then the next weekend you'll practice something else? Oh, well, we've kind of got a lot of our proteins down pat in a way that we know what we're doing. It just might be... Um, if there's something like be thrown in, like so Brisbane's got beef cheeks. We don't do a lot of beef cheeks at competition, so we'll catch up and we'll, you know, um, practice that and not out of way that we're going to do that at competition. Um, we don't, we don't say, right, we don't document during practice cooks times and stuff because, as you know, a lot of meat cooks differently in different situations. So um, we do have a, a log that we do at competition um, so we know what's happened in the past and, yeah moving forward we can look back at previous cooks and yeah oh super handy yeah like a little uh pit master's logbook type thing i've seen a couple of them floating around they look great mm-hmm. so winning a gc um usually opens a lot of doors for people what what sort of opportunities have you come across since since winning that now i, I realized that was just two weeks ago but uh what what uh, what's popped up for you and and what's coming up in the future um, winning GC, um, I guess you saw a lot of likes pop up on, um, smoky days, um, social media and even stockyard stuff was starting to get a lot more, um, likes and, um, hype about it. Um, cause I haven't, um, so when smoky days win something, I'll then share that with stockyard, um, and then it just creates that bit of a buzz and, without advertising since January um, with my finger because um, I just wasn't able to take on orders um, and to fulfill those orders. I was just getting this steady run of inquiries um, after that GC. Um, and even before the GC, just being a competing um, pit master um, in competition has actually enticed a lot of people to come to um, Stockyard. I've actually had the... Um, a few comments thrown at me saying we've come to you because you do compete, you do use them, um, etc. I'm like, oh, cool, that's that's good to know. So I guess I'm just going to keep competing to sell. <laughs> Mate, that's a rough life if you if you got to keep competing so you can keep building pits. That's a that's a rough cycle to be caught in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> So let's um let let's talk about stockyard smokers now. Then um you've just mentioned then that uh, that things are now picking up, but let's go backwards. Tell us how how stockyard smokers formed. How did you get into that? So I started. Um, I had a couple of friends. I built so after Port Mac, uh, before Port Mac, our first competition, I already had a trailer pit in the works. So I started to build um in the front yard with a sick welder um and. I built that and then I built one for myself and they weren't nothing to look at. They were, um, 
but they work really well. They they flow. Um, one thing that has been said to us at competition so many times is they said, "Is your smoker on?" Yeah, mate. Yeah, it is. They said you cannot see a thing coming out of that flu at all. Um, and <laughs> I, I had a few mates want one, and I built two um, fairly large ones for two blokes, and. I still had a couple other people say, yeah, I'll have one, I'll have one. I'm like, rightio, well, I'm going to brand these. Like if people are going to want these, I'm going to actually put a bit of effort into these and I'm going to, you know, um, make them that someone will want to buy. So um, I had to get rid of the stick welder process because it was a long process and um, it doesn't come out as neat. And I um, started investing heavily in gear I already had but then upgrading gear. Um, but I mean, started building them. Um, and it just picked up from there. Yeah, sounds good, mate. Sounds fantastic stuff. Now you said that you up, that you upgraded the stick welder. What did you upgrade to? Oh, uh, two seven five uh, MIG welder. Ah, oh, MIG, nice. Yeah, yeah. So I, I looked at three phase, and it was just extremely expensive. And um, for my uh, workshop and what I'm currently doing, didn't really warrant. Um, the three phase yeah my understanding is that with three phase you've actually got to then have like your shed rewired or something for uh special plugs for that don't you yeah yeah so i had a electrician come out and have a look I and mean, you have to get it from the main grid power pole at the front to your house and that's x amount and then you got to run it from your house to your shed now i i'm on um just a bit of an acre and my shed's down the back, so um, I wasn't going to run, you know, 150, 200 metres of um, three-phase power down there, so um, I just wasn't wasn't feasible. No, no, not at all. That that would be quite expensive. Now, tell us about the, the different types of smokers that you build, the different uh, so, sort of things that you like to construct. Predominantly offsets. Um, I, I get the 20 inches are a really popular model. That's people coming to me for 20s all the time. Um, I get inquiries for larger. Um, I'm currently building a 30. Um, I'm finishing a 20 at the moment. Um, and then after each build, I'll just take a few photos, um, photos with the customer, uh, get some promotional shots for um, social media. And it just seemed to be this run of 20s. Like they just kept coming. And then I was just. Um, so until I build bigger ones, I can't advertise bigger ones. Um, but I've got um, in the works at the moment, I've redesigned um, a couple of things with a 30. Um, and I only recently just got the parts back from laser and it looks really impressive. Um, and I'm just playing with a few ideas um, you'll see in the future. But um, with the bigger pits, I'm a fan well, I don't use dampeners on pits at all. Um, I build them into smaller pits, but I don't use the flue dampener. I don't use five box dampener. They are fully open, um, and I just use timber to um, run these things. And you get to learn. Um, you get to learn your pit by only using them, and you get to learn really quickly if you're feeding too much timber in or, or whatnot. So, um, with this thirty, um, I've got. Um, my logo cut in the side of the firebox, no dampener, and the door 
and it's basically all designed for the right airflow um, and it's got a fluid dam there, but it's designed to not be used. It's basically just fully open, feed the timber in there and she'll run perfectly for you. Yeah, right. That's interesting. I, I was going to ask about what makes um, stockyard smokers unique, but that uh, that would certainly uh, that would do it. Having the um, having no dampness. I've never seen a smoker without dampness before. Yeah, I'll have a dampener on the flu, um, but I'm not a fan of damping down the firebox. Um, your fire needs to breathe, as you know. Like for fire to burn clean, it needs to breathe. So if you're damping that down, um, you're going to get that to to choke a little bit. And that'll just flow through your smoker. So um, I'm a fan of leaving it fully open and just feeding timber. Let it go. Yeah, control the size of the fire to control the temperature. I dig it. So when it comes time to to pack up and leave competitions, though, you don't sort of like you're you're unable to just choke it down. You just got to let it burn out. Oh well, by the time the, by the end of the competition. So if you think about what we're cooking at that time. Um, a lot of our stuff is done um, well before the last hand in. So beef um, would be resting for a minimum of two hours already. Um, and then we might just have burnt ends that are going, but the, we're letting that thing kind of burn down. Um, a competition, uh, it's a competition pit. I'll, I'll, I'll do dampeners on so you can close it down. But everything I cook on, whether it be a charcoal Weber, a GA, an offset, I let them burn out after a cook just so it doesn't basically choke it down, create creosote through the whole thing and um, I just let it burn out, keep burning clean and when she's out, she's out. But yeah, That's a you're good right, point. I... you got to try. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying at competition, you're right, but you can't have a flare and fire and hook up and go. Um, you do have to choke that down um, to turn it out, yeah. That's a good point. I hadn't actually thought about the um the the fact that choking the fire out at the end is what's probably causing a lot of the creosote. But that's a good point. I'm gonna have to uh, reevaluate how I shut down my barbecues now. Yeah, that's just what I found, mate. Yeah, yeah, you can build up as soon as you choke it down. It's just yeah, basically burning dirty, um, choking that fire right now. Yeah, yeah. Now you said that the um that the, the twenty inch is proving to be your most popular. So is that mostly going to backyarders? Yeah, it is, mate. Yeah. So I get Lauren, a lot of people they've already cooked with offsets. Um they've had numerous um cheaper offsets and then they've gone they've come to me and said, you know, um I want an offset, what sizes do you do? Um I give them a range. And then the, I think they just they settle on twenty um, cause they're, they're, they're a fairly big unit for a backyard. Um, the, the 20 still would have to be around 1600 long, um, overall. And it, it can get quite big in a back of a patio. So yeah, a lot of the backyard guys, um, yeah, they, they want the 20. Yeah. I had one, in, I had one inquiry for a, um, a sea grill on a, on a 20 and I said, Oh, you know, here, yeah, okay. If you want one, I'll, I'll do one. And um, as soon as I posted that, I just nearly every 20 I've done has had a secret at the top. <laughs> just, everyone wants one. I did see the little video that you made of that, um, of that first one where you like lifted up the lid and there was a little catch attached to the uh, smokestack. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it was pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I like that. So um, the other thing that, that I noticed when I was uh, checking out your socials is that your interstate orders seem to be picking up. What's the, what's the, well, okay, first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. And what's the furthest away that you've sent a stockyard smoker so far? Um, probably Canberra. Um, I've, yeah, Canberra, Newcastle. Um, I've had inquiries in Townsville, but freight seemed to have um, been a bit scary on that one. Um, last year I did have, I was posting a lot on American pit builder pages and, um, yeah, just getting a feel for what the guys in the States like and, um, Get, you know, uh, seeing what they thought of my stuff, and I was getting a lot of a lot of love um, out of the US. And I actually had an inquiry from Albuquerque. Um, bloke emailed me and goes, "I want one of yours here. How much to get it here?" And I was so humbled. I was like, "Oh my god! Like you can probably go to any industrial state anywhere in Texas, and you'll get a a really good pit built for yourself." Um, so I was humbled by the fact that he wanted a stockyard. Um, but at the same time, it was a container job for a 20. Um, it just probably wasn't feasible. How much was that to, to, to pop one in a container? Was that like $10,000 freight, I'd imagine? It wasn't that dear. Um, but I, I, I had a freight forwarder get through to me and it would, it would have been around 1200 bucks, I think, US to get it there. Um, and I don't know, like... You, you talk about it, so I, would I pay that or would I go to the the local builder down the road that builds very quality pits? Um, yeah. So, and I actually had an inquiry from the Netherlands as well, actually. Um, the Netherlands? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> through Instagram, yeah. Um, there's a, um, a barbecue um, business over there and um, they're like, oh, I really like your stuff how much to get one to the Netherlands? And I said, oh, I don't even want to contemplate the price. And we had a bit of a laugh together and he's like, nah, it's all good. I just really like what you do. Um, if it's ever feasible, I'll get one. So it was humbling. It's actually, that's the biggest um, compliment um, as a as anyone in business is if you can produce something that someone's willing to pay for, um, that's, that's, a, that's a success. If I sold one, that's a success to me. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. Alrighty, Shay, we're now in segment three, and this is the part of the show where our guests share some wisdom for the uh, viewers and the listeners, and also answer some questions. So if you're watching this live on in our Facebook group, and you're joining us today, watching this episode with Shay, make sure you start popping those questions into the comments now, and in a couple of minutes, I'll, I'll put them all together, and we'll start putting them to Shay. But in the meantime, mate, you are a steel fabricator by trade, so you wanted to, uh, to share some steel fabrication tips with us, which is fantastic. I've never had that on the show before. Yeah, sure. So uh, I, I left school um, and, and got into um, boiler making apprenticeship straight after school. Um, and that just led me through a lot of different industries in engineering. Um, so when it came to building pits, I um, had a lot of steel experience in regards to how to manipulate steel um, and build something that was actually nice to look at. So um, whether it be how to blend stuff back, finishing steel, um, correcting doors, correcting 
anything on there. I had the know-how without too much fuss. Um, and some of the some of the ways that I'll uh, I've got a process where I've actually stopped the spring in the door um, when cutting open cylinders, um, and it's helped me. Um, it's helped me not spend hours um, trying to correct that because I've had times where I went through a cut a door and she come out that bad. I had to take it off to take it to work, drive a forklift over it. Um, a bit of timber underneath <laughs> it to try and bend it round, and yeah, it come it come good, it come good. Um, and yeah, I thought, geez, that was that was a lot of effort to get that back round. Um, but I've since come up with a way that um, it doesn't spring um, too bad at all. Um, I found the biggest the biggest challenge with steel is if you heat one side, what the steel it'll it'll start to creep back around the side you're heating. So it expands and then shrinks. Um, so um, if you're cutting cutting a door or any part, yeah, basically a door, um, with a lot of heat, you're going to find it will spring and, um, yeah, you've got to use heat to get it back in. Yeah, and I've, I wouldn't imagine that too many people would have a forklift they could get a hold of to, uh, to try and get that back in again. <laughs> No, I had to take it to work. I had to take it to work. And um, the boss was like, what are you doing? I said, I've just got to push this door back in. So I said, can you jump on the fork? I'll put this timber here. And, yeah, we drove over a couple of times. <laughs> well, that would certainly keep things interesting at, um, at, at work there. So you, you mentioned before about blending stuff back. What does that mean? Oh, okay. So um, in, in engineering, if you're dealing with stuff that's aesthetically got to look pleasing and, you know, um, it's so your stop starts with your welding. So if you, you you're welding into welds as opposed to stop and then start right there again, it creates a bit of a um, a mound, and you got to blend that back or you, you backset your welding, um, control your heat, blend your stop starts. Um, if you get stuff like porosity, um, I'm not too sure if you're aware of the term, but it's basically it looks like an aero bar. In your world, that's just um, you've lost gas. Um, it's no good. It, it, I, <laughs> I hate it because um, I've been trained to um, not do that. Um, but I'll, if I get anything like that, I take the time to grind that back out, um, weld it right, blend it back. Um, so it just looks aesthetically pleasing. And so yeah, yeah. other guys in my can walk by and they can look at it and go, nice, I like that. Um, cause there's nothing worse than having colleagues, um, in the same trade and going, are you a ball maker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I just came across that term porosity just about two or three weeks ago, actually. And, uh, like an aero bar is exactly the description that the person gave to me when they were explaining it. What yeah. are some of the, um, what are some of the potential, uh, uh, outcomes of not grinding a, an aero bar weld out and redoing it. So if you just did it and just left it, what what would be some of the potential um, things that could go wrong there? Oh, so with a pit, it's probably not that big of a deal because um, it's not structural. But something that's structurally um, engineered, uh, that weld would fail. Um, yeah, you'd, you'd fail every day of the week. Um, you'd have to grind it out. Um, it could crack um, and it just, it's not nice. Um, and can get you in lots and lots of trouble um, in regards to a business. 
um, that's putting that kind of stuff out there. Yeah, right. So I, I gather then if you're building something like a trailer, then that would be a big no-no for a smoker trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Wow, crikey. Okay, now um, when it comes to tools, what what sort of recommended tools do you uh, do you tell people they should use? For so building kits as such. For for steel fabrication stuff, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so depending on what you're doing, um, like 15 amp power for a welder um, is probably a start. If you can get that in your shed at home, um, that's a good start because a lot of good tools um, without going three phase, you can get in 15 amp power. Um, and then when it comes to hand tools, um, hammers, your best friends are oily, um, but also uh, a ruler, <laughs> um, chalk. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta say, like my day to day, I've got lots of tools, but my day to day stuff would have to be a square, a ruler. Um, chalk and a hammer, I suppose, at a little level. Yeah. Wait, that's that's kind of funny to hear that, like, with all the technology that we have available these days, that um, that uh, your your best friends are still your ruler and your hammer. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, it'd have to be. At, that's beautiful. It's real. It, it's real artisan stuff. It's real, you know, um, traditional. Mm, mm. It's good to yeah, see. Yeah, I, I love. Smith stuff, I don't do it, but I mean, if I had the time um, and I wasn't building pits, I'd probably, I would probably play around the blacksmith stuff because I, I just love that, love that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And mate, when it comes to steel grades, tell us about what you prefer to use with stockyard smokers in terms of steel grade. Steel grade? Oh, so 250 grade steel. Um, so um, 250 grade is your standard. Um, going to 350 is just a hardened. Um, steel that's not necessarily needed um, for pits at all, um, but I do I do buy um, lengths of pipe um, that's you know quarter inch steel, um, and yeah, that's that's where I start with stockyard. Yeah. Can go heavier if people want heavier. Like I mean, I just came across um, a bit of line pipe um, through a civil site, and that's um, close to ten mil wall, um, and yeah, that ain't going to be a um, pit on a stand. That's good. That'll be trailer pits. Yeah. yeah. Now, uh, speaking of trailer pits, we just had a, a question come through here, but uh, I'll, I'll pop it up on the screen, but you might want to reach out to this guy in a, in a direct message. Uh, William has just put up here, how much would it cost to make a smoker trailer? I need one cheap. Now, I, I realise that, um, that that's probably a, a, a conversation best, uh, best had in private, but um, what sort of uh, work goes into building a trailer smoker that um, that people like William who would want a trailer smoker? What sort of uh, considerations do they need to have there when they are planning what they want before they approach a builder? So generally, I like to know what they want out of one. So is it going to be a pit only with wood storage um, or is it going to be a pit with um, sinks, taps, hot water systems, um, and you know, gas burners at the front, etc. So they, these can be as simple as a pit on a trailer to a full-blown, um, you know, commercial kitchen. So I like to start to hear where they're at and what they want out of one, because um, a lot of people they come to me with, I want this, 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 and this, and I said no problem. This is the price, and they go, okay, I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> so 
like to know where they're at and what they what they want out of one. And then I, I do help them um, decide and get to a point where they're happy with that and they'll get that best version of that. Um, and yeah. That's, that's yeah, that's awesome, man. That's um that that's some good advice there. A lot of people sort of, you know, tick all the boxes and then go, ooh. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's 30 grand. Oh, no, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, the little uh the little weekend hobby project suddenly gets a lot more real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all righty. Look, that's probably a good place for us to start uh, wrapping up the show. So I'm going to uh, throw the microphone over to you now. You can give some uh, shout-outs, give some thanks to people who have helped you out along the way, and make sure you tell everybody where they can track you down on the internet. Yeah, sure. So firstly, I'd like to thank um, probably Kel, um, my wife. She's been super supportive with um, pit building and, and doing barbecue competition because, as you can expect, the time it takes to do these things um, does take away from a lot of um, quality time. Um, so her patience is really um, appreciated. Um, and the rest of the team, um, Shane and Russ, um, could not have done any barbecue competitions. Um, they've actually helped me um, design pits as well in a way. Um, and I bounce ideas off them because like them, they use, they use um, smokers as well. Um, and they come to me with like little, little things, little designs, um, and little things they might want out of it or out of an all set. Um, so those two boys have been, um, big parts of my barbecue journey, um, through competition. Um, some of the, oh, look, there's lots of people, um, who have helped us along the way. Like you talk about a lot of the other barbecue competition teams, um, giving advice at competitions, having chats, having beers and discussing things without giving away too much. You know, they give you little handy hints along the way. And we've actually passed that on to um, newbies that come across and come over to say hello. And um, it's just a really good environment. But um, one of the first briskets I'd done, I had it, I had it in an offset and I just, it stalled. And um, the late, the late Andrew Evans, um, he was running a barbecue school there in Brisbane at the Hamilton Hotel and um, I actually had his number and I called him one day and I said, oh, mate, what am I doing with this brisket, um, blah, blah. And he's like, no, you just do this, you just do that. And he saved the day for me that day um, and I was forever grateful and it actually helped me progress in um, brisket cooking. Um, so I have to thank him, God bless him. Um, and, yeah, probably family and friends who... Um, come along and try our stuff um, and support me through barbecue and pit building and share and this and that. It's all been very helpful and I, I can't, I probably can't, the list is very long, um, but uh, yeah, pretty much anyone and everyone who I come across in barbecue and who have helped me along the way, um, big shout out to them. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. Some uh, and and very wise to start by thanking the wife too. You'd be surprised how many people sort of just remember yeah. right at the end, or or have to remind them. <laughs> so, look, man, tell us where we can all track you down on the internet. Okay, so um, Smoky Days is on um, Instagram and Facebook, um, and also Stockyard Smokers on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to get in touch. Um, in regards to building pits, um, you can contact um, us on info at smoky. Oh, sorry, info at stockyardsmokers.com.au. 
Great stuff, mate. Well, look, th- thanks very much for taking time out of your Sunday to come talk to me. And uh, best of luck in at the Brisbane Barbecue Festival in a couple of weeks. Nah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for having me, mate. And there you have it, family. That was Shay from Stockyard Smokers and Smoky Days Barbecue. So how good is that? The guy designs and builds all his own pits, takes them to comp, uses them, wins grand championship prizes. I was uh, trawling his social medias last night as I was preparing for this interview, and there's a great video he's got up there. It's a great idea. He's uh, lined up all the trophies that he's won off the um, off that uh, particular smoker that he's built, and the entire front shelf of the smoker is just covered in trophies. It's absolutely just in, just incredible to see. And from what I could gather from reading his socials, that one that they have won all those trophies on, that was the original smoker that he built right at the very start. So that is just some uh, just some great stuff there. And we are getting a lot of uh, a lot of comments coming through here. So much info, great podcast. Thanks. So there's a lot of people getting a lot out of uh, of what we've done here this morning. So big thanks again to Shay for that. Now before I let you go, just to give you a quick reminder. Um, we do have our podcast partner program now up and running. So if you've got a barbecue business that you're looking to launch and really get out there in front of a whole lot of people, shoot me an email, ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a little chat about that. If you're at the opposite end, if you're at the start of your barbecue journey, head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com. That uh, internationally awarded free ebook is available for you over there. And if you are not there yet, do come join us at the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue community on Facebook, and you too could be a part of these live podcast recordings that we do. And finally, if you are watching it later on on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, listening in on a podcast app, please do all the social media stuff. You know, give us a like, give us a share, give us a comment. Um, All those things help trip the algorithms, drive us up, and put our show further out there amongst the rest of the people. And that is just about all we have for today. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions. <laughs>